0: In our gospel reading from John, we initially find the disciples locked away in a room, hidden, afraid. This is shortly after Jesus' execution. And the disciples are uncertain what might happen to them. They're fearful that the authorities will also Come and arrest them and have them executed. The Spirit had not fallen upon them. Pentecost had not yet come where the Spirit of the living God fell upon the people. And this is a very different experience that the disciples are having from what we witness in our reading in the Acts of the Apostles, where just a short season later, filled with the Spirit, suffering great persecution, incarcerated for teaching in the Jerusalem temple, and miraculously liberated, they are resisting the orders of the high priest to not teach in Jerusalem. There's a holy boldness that falls upon them that they don't quite have, while they're trying to figure things out while they're locked away in a room and their leader has been executed. The high priest in the Acts of the Apostles tells Peter, we just want you to stop teaching. We just want you to stop your your rabble-rousing and your disruptive ways in the temple. And Peter says, we must obey God rather than human authority. So how do the disciples move From fear to radical faith. Their world is changing. And so are they. So shortly after Jesus' execution, they're hidden away in the room. The door is locked. And suddenly, Jesus appears, miraculously, and says, Peace be with you. He shows them his wounds. He breathes upon them. And they receive the Holy Spirit. Breath is important throughout the Scriptures. Jesus, breathing upon them, gives them the power of spirit. Breath and spirit coming from the Greek and Koine words of Numa and Ruah, the same word for spirit and breath. He breathes upon them, and suddenly, somehow, their deep transformation begins to take place. They receive the revelation of the Christ identity in the person of Jesus. And they're given the power to forgive sins or to hold their forgiveness back. So what is sin? In John's gospel, sin is the act of not recognizing and embracing the revelation of God in Jesus. Forgiveness of sin isn't so much about penance related to individual deeds or misdeeds. Rather, forgiveness of sins is the spirit Build community's mission to continue Jesus' work of making God known in the world, bearing witness to the promise and purpose and power of Jesus' life and teachings and death and resurrection. We have seen the Lord. The disciples' announcement to Thomas, who was not there, when Jesus appeared to the apostles. We don't know where he was, but he was not in that room. And when he returns to the other apostles, they declare, we have seen the Lord. And this is the same words, word for word, that Mary said to the disciples a few verses earlier, in verse 18. Mary, who was the first one to meet Jesus in the tomb, returns to the apostles and tells them, we have seen the Lord. And just like Thomas, they doubt. They don't believe. Thomas isn't any different than the other disciples when they heard the announcement from Mary. Those disciples had locked themselves away, fearful that the authorities might come and arrest them and have them executed as they did their leader. And in fact, all of Jesus' apostles, except John, will suffer crucifixions and other forms of execution. None of them will live to the fullness of their life. And so Thomas is skeptical. A week later, in the same room, Jesus again appears. He knows Thomas' thoughts. He knows his doubts, his skepticism, his uncertainty. And he says to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. You don't need to doubt. You can believe. The story is less about doubting Thomas and so much more about the abundant grace of Jesus, who meets Thomas's demand to see and touch and experience Jesus in the fullness of the divine self. In Thomas's encounter with the risen Christ, he responds, My Lord and my God. This is the most powerful confession of Jesus' identity in the gospel. People have called Jesus Messiah, Savior, Rabbi, Deliverer. He's been identified as an exorcist, a brilliant teacher, and all of these things. But not until this very moment does anyone see God fully realized in the person of Jesus. Thomas who was doubting and skeptical who has this encounter with the resurrected lord is the first to say my god there's a historian in the first late first century shortly after John's gospel was written named Pliny he was a roman um, administrator And he wrote hundreds of letters, and they really give a glimpse into the social, cultural context of these times. And he writes shortly after John's Gospel was written, that Christians sing hymns to Christ as to a God. This Christ movement, this Jesus movement was gaining momentum, and people were realizing just who was in their midst walking with them and talking with them and breaking bread with them and giving his whole self for them. Christ's wounds are like what in Celtic spirituality is called a thin place, a surreal physical space where heaven and earth seem to touch. It is a place where the veil between this world and the eternal world is thin. A thin place is where one can walk in two worlds. The worlds are fused together, knitted loosely, where the differences can be discerned, or tightly, where the two worlds become one. Christ's wounds might also be what anthropologists and sociologists call a liminal space. Liminality is an ambiguous and disorienting space that occurs in the middle stage of a rite of passage. It's the time between what was and what is to come, it's a place of transition, of waiting. Of not knowing. Liminal space is where all transformation takes place. If we learn to wait and let it form us, this is the hard part. Because we're coming from one place, we're going to a next place, and we don't know what the next place will look like. And we're in this place right now, and we probably feel more anxiety and, and fear and just questions of the unknown. But the promise is coming because it's right before us. We're in the blessing now. Jesus says this, blessed are the poor, blessed are the hungry, all of these things. We are blessed now. The promise is before us. That doesn't mean that the blessing isn't upon us. But it's hard to embrace the blessing when there's so much uncertainty. Jesus calls us to this. Jesus wounds touch our wounds. They heal us and make us whole. Thomas seeks to reach into this wound, this space where transformation occurs, to transcend brokenness, to find a new wholeness. And it's on the margins where we find this new identity. The status quo and dominant systems seek to preserve the power structures that are currently in place. So Jesus overturns those systems and goes to the margins and makes those places the new centers. This is our gift in postmodernity. Growing up mostly in the modern age where everyone watches television, the 6 o'clock news, and Billy Graham is America's preacher, and there's one voice for everything. And now coming very much into post-modernity where they say that society is fragmented. I don't think that means it's broken. I think it's just a new world that we have to learn to navigate. And this works very well with Jesus' mission, to go to the margins and to make those the center. The high and mighty will come down. The humble and those of a low estate will be raised up. The well-fed will be sent away, and the hungry will be brought to the table. It's on the margins, in a tomb of an executed convict, that we find hope. It's in a room, locked away, afraid that the authorities might break in any minute and arrest everyone where we encounter the risen Christ. A God who shows us his wounds and heals us and brings us hope in the midst of despair, power in the midst of seeming defeat on the margins of society, in the broken parts of our lives, in the tenderness, in moments of fear and uncertainty and pain and frustration that we begin to soften and open up. And God enters into our lives and is so intimate with us that God breathes upon us and fills us with this spirit that sustains us during times of transition that convicts us of the things that we need to do and equips us and guides us and leads us into the new places. Faith is not blind. Faith allows us to see a reality beyond the veil. Thomas heard Jesus speak about seeing earlier in John. John having eyes to see. And Thomas teaches us not to proclaim, unless I see, I will never believe. But instead, I believe. Help my unbelief. This is what God is calling us into. Not certainty, but the beauty of the unfolding mystery of who God is in the person of Jesus and who God is in those who are on the margins of society and who God is when we're struggling and suffering and discerning new seasons. God invites us into these places of hope and purpose and promise. Amen.